A stu stu Studio D production. It has been a while. All right. Well, and I'm not going to be on the 9 11 oh, day. Just... There. See, I organically brought up 9 11 again. <laughs> I guess the anniversary is coming up. I forgot what day it was. I thought for some reason that it had already passed. I don't you know. forgot what day 9-11 happened? I forgot to, what day it was today. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. What day is 9-11 on? No, I know what day 9-11 is on, but for some reason I had it in my head while we were sitting up here talking about 9-11 that it was like mid-September and we'd already Ew. passed it. Uh, all right. Sit down, I want to tell you a story. A really weird and messed up story With murdering ghosts and gobbly ghouls It's all really fucked up so don't you be fooled out with Ryan. It's F.Dot Family Storytime Hello everyone, welcome to F.Dot Family Storytime I'm Salem And I'm Hannah And with us today is Belle Hey Hello so how's everyone doing? All right. I'm, I'm okay. I'm um, just okay. Just living my life. Same old, same old. Working, living. Yeah. Dealing with apartment shit. Gonna move into a new apartment soon. Yeah. That's good. That's soon, good. Soon. But not yet. <laughs> you move in next week? Still dealing with apartment shit. Yeah. Um, well, the week after, on Wednesday... Oh. That was the earliest they were able to offer us. On a Wednesday. Yeah. But it'll be good in a, in a bit. <laughs> yeah, it won't be too long. One less thing I'll have to worry about. But then something else will happen. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, 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 uh. it always does. Uh-oh, it's a FaceTime. Who's oh um, for the we're recording? Well, I asked Eric because he took me out of the group because I don't play anymore. But yeah. I played that one year, and he took me out of the group because I didn't play. And I just was like, and that's fine. I kind of liked being in the group though because I like following your guys's chats. And he's like, oh okay. Then he added me back in, and you were like, <laughs> oh, what have I done? No, I like <laughs> it. I like watching you guys talk shit to each other. It is it's kind of funny. I know I'm getting bombarded. Do you have to do anything for the no, draft? No, it'll just auto-draft on its own. But you guys have to help me come up with a new name because the first time that I did it, I was the most tremendous auto-drafter because I was so when Trump was our <laughs> most tremendous president. And um, the last few years, I've been quarantined. But now COVID <laughs> is like, nobody cares about COVID no. anymore. So what do I name my team this year? I have to think about it. Something silly. The boys that I play with are always like fart buttholes and some fart football reference buttholes. that I don't understand. <laughs> yes, they are. Absolutely. No, yeah. <laughs> That's their names. They're just, here, I'll read some of their Josh names. Groban. <laughs> Team Josh Groban. Team Josh Groban. Just Josh here. Groban. But it's fun, though, because last year I was in the Super Bowl. So they're all like crass and ridiculous and like talking shit. <laughs> and <laughs> one time everybody was like, damn, Belle, how are you doing so good? And I was like, well, the secret is that instead of entirely forgetting that I'm playing fantasy for the whole football season, I now set an alarm to go off every Tuesday so that I could take out any players that are on a bye week or whatever. Yes. Because the amount of times that I would just lose just because the players that I you. had like weren't in, like half the players that I had set to play on my team were like out for injury or just because they were off that week or like, you know, and so I, I was like, well, you see, I'm actually remembering <laughs> to do the thing. Yeah. And that's all it took. <laughs> you had a tremendous auto-draft I made a few trains. Team. Yeah. Tremendously auto-drafted quarantine. I don't understand <laughs> fantasy football. You, I don't get it. Well, at the beginning of the season, you go through, you like pick your team. I didn't say I want to get it. No, I know. She just doesn't want <laughs> right. it. I don't care. There. <laughs> but then you just like, at the end, you have like your set list of little guys and then you have your backup guys. And then you just go through and you're like, oh, this guy's got good stats, I think. I'll put him in. Do you get anything from it? No. Do you well, win some, anything? Well, some leagues that you play in, you like can win. 
I think the the win of this league is that the winner of the Super Bowl gets to pick the ultimate loser's team name. All right. Well, do we want to get into the story? Yeah. We can do that. We can get into the story. All right. So this week, I am telling the story. Yay, mommy. And we... Yay. We are going to do a little traveling. We're going to travel to a place that I think probably all of you are familiar with. will recognize the name. We are going to go to Point Pleasant, West Virginia. I called dibs. Did you? Yes, but it's okay. <laughs> no, you didn't. I don't think I you did. I did. That's I thought okay. we talked. I ab- called dibs in my brain. <laughs> I thought we talked about it when I did the Hellier episode that we should do. Maybe you did call dibs. That's okay. Keep going. <laughs> Let's just quit. You can take my no. notes. You can do it next week, and I'll come up with a different no, story. No, it's okay. It's okay. Because you probably would do such a better job at it than this is going to be. No, it's fine. I'm excited for it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Point Pleasant, West Virginia. We're going to do some time traveling now, too. So we're going to travel back to like the origins of Point Pleasant. So 1774, the Shawnee and the Mingo um, Native American tribes lived in the area of Point Pleasant. And as... The European settlers kind of moved into the area. It was one Andrew Lewis that kind of was leading the people into this area. The Native Americans, they waged battles against the Europeans um, in like the attempts to keep their land or where I mean, there were, you know, they have the whole belief that you can't own land, of course. What became American people obviously have a belief that you can own land, that you can own people, that you can own anything. Um, Good old colonization. Yeah. So it's not like the Native Americans were fighting for the land. They were just not, they didn't like what they were seeing the Europeans doing, and they were trying to... Systematically murdered. (laughs) Well, and they were trying to, I think, also, like, protect the area in a way. Like, they keep it, you know, the way that it was. So... Um, there were there were battles and there were many lives lost, but eventually there was negotiations between Chief Cornstalk and they negotiated a treaty. So then I'm not exactly clear what happened. There was a treaty between like Andrew Lewis basically and Chief Cornstalk, but then I think Chief Cornstalk left the area because obviously the Europeans like settled and created a town there. But three years later. Chief Cornstalk came back on like a diplomatic trip and he was murdered along with his son. And so it was, and it was said to be, it was believed to be in some stories, like a a dispute between one person and him over land or something. So it wasn't necessarily a representation of the entire city, but still, yeah, he was murdered and his son was murdered. And it is said that in his dying breath, he cursed the town. Some people believe that that is why some of the things that have happened in the area happened. Uh, So for centuries, Point Pleasant, it has been plagued with, quote, bad luck. There's been lots of flooding. There was a, was it like 25-year period where the river overflowed four times into the town, killing people and causing thousands of dollars worth of damage. Just It it makes me wonder... If just because you think about how like the Native Americans are so connected and in tune, especially back then, you know, like we're so connected and in tune with the land. And mm-hmm. it makes me wonder if he knew that that just like geographically was an area that was like susceptible to like floods. Yeah. And, like, natural, you know, kind of like disasters. And he liked to fuck with all the white people in his dying breath. He's like, <laughs> I curse you. Well, but- <laughs> I think we were talking that about that in the last podcast. About when we die, we want to say yeah. something cryptic <laughs> just to freak people out. Yeah. So it was, it's kind of funny because I watched several documentaries and they all mentioned about how Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and this area was had lots of tragedies associated with it. But I could never find um, in my research any specific tragedies other than the floods and then the one that we're going to talk about. It's like people created a, a lore and legacy after that 
one event happened mm-hmm. and they were like, oh, it's always been that way. Yeah. It's like, uh, not really, though. <laughs> so that Exactly. So that comment, for centuries, Point Pleasant has been plagued with, quote, bad luck. Has it really? Like, has it had any more bad luck than any <laughs> other than any town? any other, like, settling town in America? <laughs> because every town has had tragedies in its past. Yeah. But maybe they just didn't get, maybe I just can't find them because... You know, oftentimes when you have a big story about something, it overshadows all of the little stories about it. And so then maybe there are stories out there that I can't find because they're overshadowed by the big story that Point Pleasant is known for. Is it kind of like a small town? I don't know much Mm -hmm. about Point Mm -hmm. Pleasant. Because that also kind of like, I don't know, you also think about like the whole, like the difference between like shocking things that happen i don't know what happened i'm like totally in the dark about this but if it was like you know you think about like all of the murders that happen in small towns and they're like huge news forever but then you think about the number of murders that happen in denver at night yeah you know and it's like not talked about Mm -hmm. and it's just funny to me that it's like oh this one terrible thing happened the whole area is cursed and I mean, yeah. the floods that like, happened oh, yeah. were really bad. And the floods that happened were like between 1913 and 1937. So oh. they were still pretty early in... Um, it was still centuries after Yeah, uh, Cornstock died, Chief Cornstock. Yeah, it was centuries is... after that. And I don't know, maybe there's just undocumented... Maybe. In, you know, I mean, there's tragedies. lots of undocumented tragedies yeah. from that time because there wasn't a lot of documentation. But yeah. <laughs> so the area of Point Pleasant, just to give you an idea, it is a small town and it is fairly isolated. Um, it was described in one documentary that I watched as like being like a suburb, but it's it's isolated from the bigger cities or other towns around them. So it is really got that small town feel. Everybody knows each other, every you know, that kind of vibe. Is it? It's like a mountain town. Yeah. When you go because out, they're, outside of And they're isolated by mountains. Yeah. Is it, it is in, West Virginia is in the Appalachians. Okay. And that's what I thought. And that's another thing that I was gonna say. Like if you are gonna say that Point Pleasant is quote unquote cursed, then like take a look at the entirety of the Appalachian well, Mountains and like we're going to get the into weird that stuff too. that happens just throughout that entire mountain range and like keep that open mind because that's kind of where I, it's going to be a loose flowing kind of episode this time but I want to keep that discussion because we're going to we're going to talk about some of that and how that whole area seems to have yes well, I'm just excited because you've done all the research it seems like Hannah has a bunch of knowledge about well, yeah, and help subject. me out, Hannah. Help me out. And I don't know anything, and I'm really excited. <laughs> so um, the area of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, it's in the Appalachian Mountains. It is um, kind of isolated where it's at. It is along, it is actually at the point where the Ohio River and the Kanawha River intersect. And so there's a lot of lore about places where rivers intersect that's going to play into some of the, you know, oh, yeah, there's water plays a, a huge part oh, in yeah. spirituality yeah. in general. There's and, just a lot of lore around like crossroads, mm-hmm. intersections. Yeah. yeah, totally. In general. And so on the other side of the Ohio River is Ohio. And there is a small town over there also. And there is some aspect where they are almost like one. They're close enough. They're kind of like one town, but they're definitely two towns. But they're both still fairly isolated. And in the area around Point Pleasant, Native American bodies are still buried. And there are mass graves. And um, they are around what is called the TNT area which is the McClintic Wildlife Management Area. And it is eight miles north of Point Pleasant. It's about 3,600 acres. How in the world did they get that abbreviation from (laughs) the TNT? It's because the military had a compound there, and they used to make explosives Uh, there. And so that's when it was coined, the TNT area. I was, like, sitting here for several seconds. I know. I was waiting for, like, (laughs) wait. (laughs) So out in this area are many igloo-type buildings, which is where they would manufacture the TNT. 
And it is closed now. And part of it, there is a power plant. And this power plant was abandoned sometime in the 50s. And then eventually, it and well, it was used as a dumping ground for chemicals and toxic waste and stuff. Lovely. And then eventually, it was incorporated into this wildlife, um, McClintic Wildlife Management Area. So it's basically, it reminds, makes me think of what they've done with um, not yeah the arsenal yeah the that's Rocky what Mountain I was going to say because mm-hmm. that place is fucking radioactive and now it's like a wildlife it's a wildlife <laughs> area and that's why they have it fenced like they off. used to have it fenced off now they're starting to build like they built Dix Dix was part of that that is on contaminated Dix no. is on contaminated <laughs> land and then I guess you can do tours of the wildlife area and stuff it's literally radioactive it is is. (laughs) so um a lot of the mass graves were near this wildlife area as well and this becomes kind of like a focal point for sightings which we're going to get into and so i don't know if anybody listening has put two and two together point pleasant west virginia is Home to the Mothman. Oh. Oh, you didn't know no, that. I, didn't she know. Was, I know I was waiting. She's totally <laughs> I was in like, the what? <laughs> so, so we're gonna just kind of chronologically go through the story of the Mothman, the origin of the Mothman, and where he is today. It was the early 20, 20th century that rumors of a giant bird man started to circulate around Point Pleasant. So that was 50 years or approximately 50 years before the 60s when all of the sightings that people talk about the Mothman prophecies and all of that is about. So um, and this probably, you know, the probably is associated to the floods that they had because they they it was like there were these disasters. This is where I was like I couldn't find details other than the floods on what disasters, but there were these tragedies and these disasters, and then they started to see this bird-like creature that lo- looked like a large bird ha- had the head of a man, wingspan of about twelve feet. These were the descriptions in the early twentieth century of the reports, and then it was it was about nineteen fourteen when the rumors started. Was how long was the military doing radioactive shit? The military, I don't think, was doing radioactive shit. They didn't really say oh. where the dump... Like, people started using the abandoned power plant mm. as a dumping ground for chemicals and toxic waste, but I don't know where that... Do you know, Hannah, no. where that shit came from? It might have been the military, but what the military is known for is just, just the like manufacturing of TNT. Okay. And there is that, like, well, if they're, you know, that mentality of... we were talking about the arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't know, because there is that mentality of if they're making explosives, then why wouldn't they be dumping chemicals and shit, too? But that's kind of speculation from what I gathered, so... I don't know. Wouldn't be the first time that the military was just dumping shit wherever they wanted. (laughs) Or or any businesses, or it could have come from the power plant. I don't know. That's why Kyle has a job. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So, yeah, it was about 1914 when those sightings began. And they lasted into the 1940s. And they became associated with these tragic events. Like the Mothman was like a harbinger. Mm. Right. But again, I'm not sure what tragic events they... Other than the floods, maybe. And may, and they always say that before tragedy, they would see more, have more sightings, have more experiences, and it would, like, ramp up until something happens. So maybe it is before each flood, because they had four really bad floods, they would see these sightings. So, and then they kind of stopped. Nobody really talked about it anymore anyway until 1966. And there are some random sightings in other places, like in 1953 in Houston, Texas, there was what they called the Houston Batman and had a similar description. Three people were sitting on a porch and they saw a winged, glowing man-like creature that rocked back and forth on the branch and then faded and vanished. And that was in Houston? And that was in Houston, Texas. So I don't know. That's pretty far away. And then there was a sighting in 1976 in England of an owl man with red eyes and wings. So 
similar. Still very far away. I was looking up the other sightings when you were saying all of that. Did you mention that there were people in Russia who were saying in like 1999 that there were Mothman sightings that foreshadowed the 1999 Russian apartment bombings? Oh, really? I did not see that one. Interesting. Because like I've always known that Mothman was seen more than just at the Point Pleasant, but like that's where it was popularized. But then... I knew that there were other other sightings and other instances where that is kind of what caused people to be like, oh, if you see Mothman, something bad is about to happen. Because <laughs> there's other places around the world yeah, where, where they happened. have seen something similar. Yeah. And something really bad has happened. <laughs> Interesting. No, and I'm sure that we could look up and find many again. Let's just drive to Point Pleasant. Yeah. Let's just go right now. And record an episode in front of the Mothman statue. <laughs> that would be cool. I want to go there so bad. <laughs> that would be cool. So, yeah, the sightings, at least they weren't talked about. They may have still had sightings around, but people weren't talking about it. It kind of died down um, around 1940 until 1966. The first sighting, November 1st, 1966. National Guard at the Armory at the McClintic Wildlife Management Area. (laughs) They saw um, a half man bird perched in a tree and then the next sighting which i had originally labeled as the first sighting do you have a question oh just that mothman is so cool didn't half man bird (laughs) could you imagine if it was like half man bird (laughs) well what's funny is they call him mothman but everybody everyone describes him him as a bird as a bird or a bat there's a few people that will just have described him as like having leathery wings not feathered wings but most people say he looks like a giant owl. He's just bird person. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to run briefly through the timeline as everything starts. On November 1st, the National Guard have an experience. On November 2nd, there is a sighting of the Grinning Man, the Smiling Man, a.k.a. Andrew Cold. And we'll get into that account. And then on November 12th, there were some grave diggers in a neighboring town that had an experience. And then on the 14th, there's a farmer um, who had an experience. And then on the 15th, this is uh, what is becomes like one of the best known experiences um, that some citizens of Point Place had. And then uh, immediately after that, newspapers come out with the story. So it becomes widely known. And then on the 16th, there's relatives that are visiting family that have an experience. They see a creature. On the 18th, there are firefighters. They see a large owl. Funny about this one is that they refuse to admit that it was anything but an owl. But it was like a man-sized owl that they tried to chase and then just like poof disappeared. But it was an owl. Glowing red eyes. Um, And then on the 20th, there was a couple that was chased. And then there were other sightings on that day. The 21st, there was a man that calls to report an experience that he has, Thomas Urey. Yeah. And then they continue and go on and on. Pretty much every day there's accounts. I didn't write everything down. On the 26th, there's four large birds seen in a tree. And then standing in a woman's yard is another experience on the 26th. On the 27th, uh, someone sees a large bird creature peering through a window. And then there is on the 27th, another sighting near a golf course where a woman named Connie, she thinks that it's a man, but then the creature opens its wings and then swoops down towards her car. And then after that, this is interesting. She uh, comes down with a case of conjunctivitis, like immediately after that, a severe case of conjunctivitis. I don't know. Probably unrelated. What is conjunctivitis? It's basically like an eye infection. Oh, okay. So it's like pink eye. Pink eye is conjunctivitis. Oh, okay, And there's okay. varying kinds, I'm sure, depending on like the bacteria, but I think it's just basically an eye infection. Okay. I think the the breeding cycle for the Mothman is, what was it, like 30 years? <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it like, yeah, like that X-Files <laughs> creature where every 50 years it has to feed <laughs> well somebody said that they saw four of them sitting in a tree or yeah. something yeah four of, just like... four large large bird man creatures in a tree and then there was one standing in a woman's yard 
Yeah, one peering through a window. Um, And then, so all of these sightings continue. Basically, every day there's reports. There's a woman who was actually the aunt of Connie who saw the creature by the golf course. woman named Mary Heyer, who was a journalist. She worked for two different papers, but she actually, maybe it was her, her niece's experience that spurred her on, but she actually started making the Mothman reports like they became very important to her and she made it like her job. And so it became known that that she was taking reports and she was writing articles about it and putting it in the paper and stuff. So people started reaching out to her to the point where she became overwhelmed and she couldn't even like answer or write about every sighting that was sent to her. So that just gives you an idea of like how many sightings there were at this point. And this goes all the way into, let's see, December 4th. There are five pilots at the Gallipolis airport that see a plane flying erratically. And then as it gets closer, they realize it's a bird man. And then on the 7th, John Keel, who is the author that wrote the Mothman prophecies, it was later turned into a movie. He actually went down there to investigate and he was down in Point Pleasant and they're doing an investigation at the um, TNT area and Somebody that's with him said they saw something, but he never saw anything. So then sightings continue. I'm going to jump into March. March 1st, 67, the Air Force sees something. March 5th, Alice Bradshaw sees a UFO. Um, And at the same time, Dolly Brady across town reports the same UFO. Um, And then jump into May, May 19th, two women see Mothman, Moth man so two women they see mothman in the distance like flying and in the distance flying and then um in the sky they see a red light that just appears and the two merge and then disappear that's kind of an interesting i haven't heard of that one yeah me either i found a a lot of weird ones um and then that same night there was a ufo that landed in a field near a junior high that people witnessed And then flash forward to November 2nd, 1967. There's another reporting of someone who sees Mothman. I don't even have a name written or anything next to that one. On the 16th, hunters encounter a bird-like, a bird-man creature when they're in the woods uh, near the TNT area. And it seems like at this point, sightings are ramping up again, kind of like they were towards the end of the previous year. And then they kind of... Everything got got a little quieter, and now everything was ramping up again. And so that's where we're going to leave it. We'll go back, and we're going to go into some of the personal accounts now. Not every one that I mentioned. I just wanted to give an idea of the timeline um, and how the activity seemed to grow. Things that might like have contributed to it. Because as soon as the incident on November 15th happened, and it was put in the papers... Everybody, it's a small town. Everybody knew about it. Everybody's talking about it. And then the sightings increase. It's like, well, is that just because it's in the paper now? And everybody's, they're looking for it now, right? They're expecting it. Also, it brought a lot of people from other towns that were hunting it, that were seeking it out. It became very popular very quickly. And so you got to wonder how much of that might have contributed to it. Or if it was if if it was just that cycle of activity, or if it was like people that didn't have real sightings, I don't know. Not to say I I believe that these sightings, I absolutely believe the people believe they see what they saw, but I also believe that there was something that people were seeing because that's just yeah. With the sheer amount of people, like even before it became so widely spread, just the amount of people in that town that had seen something. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, whether or not it was what they say it was, like there was something going on for that amount of people. And especially in such a small town, I feel like small towns are less likely to kind of buy into that Yeah, idea of like UFOs or that idea of something supernatural. And so to have all of those people buying into yeah. it. It's like something was definitely weird. <laughs> well, and at this time too, UFO sightings were just as numerous as the Mothman sightings. Yeah. Lights in the sky was a common thing to see. And, you know, so it 
but with that, there's multiple people that are seeing it, that are reporting it from different parts of the area, saying they're seeing the same thing without having any communication with this other person that might have seen it. So, I mean, there's some corroborating evidence there, I think. So, I don't know. It's a very interesting story. And I like your like what you said about there have been like Mothman sightings in other areas. This is yeah. just the one that everyone knows about. If you look at it, a lot of people think this is like isolated to to this area. Yeah, it's and it's kind not. of not. But it's still very interesting. Yeah. Makes it almost more believable if you can say it's not isolated to this one little area. It makes it almost gives it almost more almost gives it more credibility. But then also at the same time, I feel like a lot of those sightings have been after even in like the years after so point pleasant incident and so how much of it is to say oh well this horrible thing happened now i'm going to retroactively say that i saw something in the sky and it was mothman yeah like (laughs) yeah it's true very interesting well i think this is a good place to take a break and um then when we'll come back we'll dive into some of the personal accounts that people had yeah so cool yeah yeah I love Mothman. <laughs> okay, well we're back. I don't know if y'all are ready. No. Yay, are you? All right. No. <laughs> no. Never. Never. Not for anything. All right. Well, we can get back into this story. Uh, where we left off, we did a quick run through the timeline. And so now I kind of want to go back and revisit a few of the sightings that I mentioned specifically. And I want to start with November 15th, 1966, uh, often called the Scarberry or Mallet sighting. There were two young couples that were driving near the power plant and they saw a strange winged creature at the entrance to like this road going into the power plant area, I think. And they noticed it was it was standing in the road and it had like red eyes and they tried to like, I don't quite understand if they turned around and drove away from it. Do you know this? Um, I think they or tried. Or if they just drove by it. I think they tried to drive away. But if I remember, I don't either know. way, they did drive away from it and it followed them and it followed them like even when at one point they made... Um, like a really sharp left turn. They were going like speeds of like 75 miles an hour. And then they got onto a straightaway and they were going like, they said they got up to a hundred miles an hour and this thing kept pace with them, like flying next to the car or over the car and chased them all the way into town essentially. And they went into the sheriff's office and reported what they saw. The sheriff decided to interview the couples separately just to see what their story said. And they, both reported seeing a six-foot-tall, gray, man-like creature with wings and red eyes and also reported, like, a hypnotic effect from the eyes, like, when they would look at the Mothman's eyes. So that was, like, the beginning of when, like, the next day the newspapers came out with reports of this story. So that was kind of the beginning, even though, even though it wasn't the first sighting, it was the beginning of the whole Mothman in Point Pleasant experience, basically. Okay, right around the time that this incident with the young couples took place, there was a farmer. We actually have uh, his account of what he saw uh, when he was interviewed at one point about his experience. Who wants to read it? I'll read it. All at once, the TV started winding up like a high-pitched generator. I went so into, like, an accent, though. Like, winded up to a fever pitch. At the same time, my dog bandit on the front porch. That dog was just carrying on all at once as it was winding up. I said, what in the hell? I got... (laughs) I get up to go where to turn it down because it was hurting our ears. The way the thing was screaming and the whole picture tube and everything just blew out in the middle of the floor. And man, I ran out the front door, run out on the front porch. The dog, as I run out, he took off down to the field. 
Well, the only thing that was in the field that was a little pump house. <laughs> and I looked out and where he's going, I hollered to him to come back and he didn't come back. He wouldn't mind me at all. But when I looked out there, all I seen was red light going around like intermittent. There weren't eyes or nothing like that. So the dog would not come back. Well, this thing, in fact, this thing disappeared after a few minutes. The first thing that entered my mind was a helicopter, but there wasn't no noise. And And then it goes on, the recording goes on to say he called the dog for a little bit, went back inside, his wife was cleaning up the TV that exploded, and then they went to bed. I didn't think much of it. So that was on November 14th, so that was right before November 15th when the couples had that creature that chased their car. So, And this was in 66, right? Yes, this, this is November 66. So it's right after those two events that you know the word gets out it's in the press and people start getting really excited about this idea of mothman and it starts attracting people from other towns there are people that are scared and everybody's grabbing their guns there's some people that want to go hunt it and kill it because they're afraid of it there's some people that just want to go seek it out because they're curious um but Either way, it draws so many people and causes such an uproar that uh, the National Guard steps in and actually starts to kind of monitor people coming in and out of the town and just kind of keeping an eye on what people are doing. All right. So the next account that we have, and this also happened in mid-November, and it is Faye Lepore talking about her experience when she was driving in her car with her brother. Who wants to read this one? You want to read it, Belle? I can. So, we went out there and we no sooner turned on that road and my brother just started looking at me. I said, well, what are you looking at? He said, don't look. Don't turn your head, but there's something beside the window. I was straining my eyes over there looking at it and it was right beside my window looking at me as it was running or flying. I don't know. I couldn't believe I was seeing it. I got a good look at it. The eyes on this thing was what really caught our attention because they were so big and they were just like red, like unusual red. I've not seen that kind of red in today's world. So, yeah, that was what she experienced. And then after that, she had um, admitted, was it her? No, it was um, Linda, Linda Scarberry, Linda Scarberry who was in the car, was one of the young members of the young couple's in the car that got chased. She had said that after her experience, she reported seeing Mothman in various situations multiple times, including once when he was peering in her window outside Mothman, of her house. Mothman, you fucking pervert. Yeah, <laughs> and I believe that Faye also said that she had other sightings after that. So this is Mothman peering in your window. All right, so this... <laughs> kind of looks like Shrek. It kind of does, actually. It's not the Harbinger Shrek. <laughs> so I'll read this one. This one is... um, This was an account by Marcella. I was trying to find a date. Marcella Bennett, she had gone out um, with her brother and her sister-in-law, and they had an experience, and this was her experience. My brother and sister-in-law had decided one night to take a ride to the TNT area to my sister's house. And then we visited for approximately an hour and a half. We decided we was to journey back home. So my brother, uh, Raymond Wamsley, and myself and his wife, Catherine Wamsley, went out. And my brother, Raymond, kept saying to me, Marcella, look to your right. There's a light in the sky. And I said, oh, you're hopeless, you know. And I kept walking. And he said, no, you got to see this. It's... Not a flame. I kept walking. When I got to the car, I had my daughter, which was about three years old at the time, and I reached for the door handle of the car. And when I reached for the door handle of the car, I saw this figure. Somehow I was looking at the door handle, and I started at the feet, and I came up. My eyes came up, and I could see I saw no feet, and I saw a gray, a grayish cast. And I kept going up. And looking up at this creature, and it had wings like a bird, but its neck stuck down. At this point, I turned and tried to run back towards the house, and when I did, I couldn't. I fell face down and laid there on top of my daughter. I could hear her crying, 
By that time, I could hear my brother in the background, come on, Marcella, get up, get up, come on, hurry. So I went back with him into the house, and after we got into the house, it hit the door, it came to the door, and it tried to get in the door. And then she goes on to say how she, they took her and laid her on the couch, and she doesn't really remember much because she was like so traumatized by the whole experience that she was kind of like couldn't couldn't handle it. Well, anyway, that was uh, Marcella's account about what happened, and her brother Raymond, from what I gathered, was a pretty like he became really interested in the Mothman, and like would seek it out did a lot of like searching for it and stuff after this it definitely affected him all right so here's one that i don't have a name associated with it but um it happened 15 miles north of point pleasant mid-november again who wants to read it it's hannah's turn uh right well, when I was 16 years old, a boyfriend... <laughs> <Yeah>. <coughs> it doesn't have to be Southern. <laughs> it does. It does in my mind. Okay. <laughs> well, when I was 16 years old, a boyfriend and I were going for a ride in the country. It was about 7.30 in the evening, and we pulled off to the side of the road and pulled into a farmer's field. We were looking up at the stars, and I noticed a bright light over to my right. As we watched it, it flew up over our car about ten feet above the car. I'm yelling, freaking out. Come on, we need to go. We need to go now. (laughs) We're really frightened. So when I moved the hood of it... I don't know. That's what she says. When I moved the hood, I don't know what that meant. When I moved the hood of the car. Yeah. Uh, it filled the car with like bright white light. The car starts. We start out. And as we're going around the corner, I notice this large black object flying along with the big craft. And it appeared to be a man-shaped creature. And it was flying with its wings back. And it's it was black and about nine feet tall. So just another creepy account of the Mothman. If Mothman was Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next. I think I always forget how tall Mothman is supposed to be. Nine feet tall. Some people say he's six feet tall. Some people he's say he's nine 12 feet. Foot wingspan. Sounds like me. I'm five feet tall, Bellsome. and I have a twelve foot wingspan. Some people say ten foot wingspan. So it just depends on the person. Maybe I'm Mothman. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking. Bell's Mothman. All right. So uh, the next account that we have is. Thomas Yuri. He was a teacher. He lived in Point Place. Um, or, I'm sorry, Point Pleasant. And uh, this happened on November 21st. Well, when I first saw it, I thought it was a helicopter. Couldn't hear any noise at all, but that far away. But then as it rose over the trees and proceeded to make big circles over, you know, how birds fly. It started out, I would say, 500 feet in the air, but every time it made a circle, I could see when it came in front of my car. It would come lower and lower. Now, the last pass it made was probably 75 feet over my car. I had a pretty good shot at it. And I would guess, and it's purely a guess, it was at least 10 feet wingspan. Yeah, and I guess it was scary to a certain extent, but then when I saw it wasn't going to attack me or anything... When it first started getting lower, I think it was more curious of me and, you know, a a mutual curiosity. After that, it wasn't scared. It was apprehension. So and after that, uh, Yuri states that the Mothman followed him until he got um, like a a ways away from the river. And then he turned around and went back to the river that he came from the river and he went back to the river. So there's that account. And then I will read one that is from Bob Bosworth. And this also happened in November. What a fake name. Bob Bosworth. (laughs) And this one is kind of interesting and I want to discuss it a little after I read it. So I lived up on Jefferson Avenue. Of course, my wife and I were about 19 years old, I think, at the time. We went to bed that night. The bed, the way the bed was there, was a window on my left And sometime in the night, it seems to me it was sometime around three o'clock and I was facing that window and I looked out the window and I looked at the streetlight and there was a crossing. And I remember distinctly there was a car coming across the crossing and I turned my head to the right. I mean, I can still feel it. 
I turned my head to the right, and there this, to me it was the devil, old man, standing there by my bed, and I just sort of froze up, and I tried to talk, and I couldn't. It was this awful, horrible feeling. And then he goes on to talk about how he was so scared he didn't know what to do, so he started to pray, and as he prayed, the thing disappeared. Now, that one I find interesting because the way he describes it was more like a man, not like yeah, a bird. Like and an I old wonder man. If he just had like, what is it? Sleep hypnosia or whatever. Sleep um, paralysis. Paralysis, yeah. If he wasn't, because they often will have like a dark figure that's present and stuff like that. So I don't know. But that was his account. Were you going to say something, Belle? Oh, just that there was probably some pervert running around the town. <laughs> oh just like looking into people's just, windows with yeah. like <clears throat> nighttime goggles or some shit. He just he just <clears throat> creeps away. So those are all of the accounts I have leading up to the big event, which I've kind of been holding back. You know, they say there's this belief that the Mothman is a harbinger and that he predicts disaster and tragedy. As we said before, the activity that began in November of 1966, it kind of ramped up. But then after the first of the year, it kind of te- it kind of died out a little bit. It was still there, but it was definitely less frequent. There were less reports. And then around November of 1967, the activity begins to ramp up again. Sightings become more frequent. And this time, it does lead to a final event, almost like it was a harbinger. So on December 15th, 1967, around 5 p.m., it was a Friday. We'll set the scene here. So it was a Friday, 10 days before Christmas. It was a payday for most people. And the bridge that crosses over the Ohio River between the town in Ohio and Point Pleasant in West Virginia carries a lot of traffic for people come to coming and going from work or going to do shopping for Christmas And like I said, it's a Friday afternoon, 5 p.m. It's rush hour. Um, A lot of people out and about at this point. Also, there was a traffic light that was like right there um, after the bridge that was out. So it was causing this huge backup both ways. And so the bridge was just packed full of people just crawling. And the bridge collapsed. So um, there's we'll get into some of the the way that people have connected Mothman to this and stuff in the next episode, there's really not a lot to talk about the accident. Um, other than the bridge collapsed, it dumped all of the cars into the river, um, which would have been bad enough because it was the middle of December. So it was icy, you know, hypothermia would have made it difficult for people to get out of their cars, but the bridge then fell on top of the cars after they were flung into the river. So there was essentially no way that people really could survive. And 46 people were killed. Nine people were injured. And it was a big tragedy right before Christmas for this small town. Everybody in the town knew somebody that was on that bridge. You know, it hit really close to home for a lot of people. So you got something to say? No, not really. I mean, I I think the stuff I want to say, I want to save for the next episode. Where we can kind of discuss okay. more of the... Yeah, the theories that yeah. are behind it. Yeah. Theories of why and how and stuff. Okay. I mean, they did find that there was a, like, there was a flaw in the structure that they said had been there since the day it was built. I mean, I'm surprised that the <laughs> there hasn't been a bridge in Colorado that's collapsed I mean, with his... Yeah terrible as some of the ones are over by yeah where they're like well that's why I-70. they're redoing it yeah, yeah. Because they... well and this was like a, an old <clears throat> suspension bridge mm-hmm. and like a lot of those older suspension bridges already had flaws in the design that caused yeah. like there were a lot of bridge collapses in like yeah. the 50s yeah. and 60s well and it's just one of those things too that like a lot of cities don't put money towards until it's like a a big problem you know like for example like the bridge that i-70 was on before they redid it like it was like 
built in like the 30s mm-hmm. and you could see it like moving as cars would drive across it and that one had big traffic jams all the time and yeah. then back in like 2016 or whatever they tried to retrofit it and then just made it worse yeah. than it was before and it's just yeah so i mean it's tragic that stuff like that happens but it's not like it's a, a paranormal thing that the bridge collapsed. Yeah. At least yeah. you, you can come up with logical reasons why it did. But why were these sightings but it's more of like the harbinger? Yeah, of why it. did it ramp up just a month before? And that's I, I think a lot of people have like spun Mothman to be less of like, oh, he's bringing this bad thing with him. And it's more like, oh, something bad is going to happen. And he's here to try and warn people. Yeah. So it's like, that's why he shows himself so often. That's why in these cases, or at least in this case of like before some tragedy occurred, hundreds of people saw him or claimed to have seen him. And it's like, if, if it were more so a malevolent being, that was just bringing the destruction. I don't think that it would necessarily be. I want to so many sightings once, of him. Well, and I also think that if he, well, if there were so many sightings of him and he was bringing all of this destruction, like you would think that there would be multiple, yeah, instances, instances of of. of mm-hmm. like, I wonder. Tragedy. You can see. I kind of see it as. I mean, this is just a theory. Maybe it's like an entity that does feed off of that tragedy that tragic energy but it's just there because it knows this is going to happen and so it's there in anticipation for when it happens it's not necessarily trying to warn anyone it's also not like malevolent because it's not wanting to hurt anybody it's just there to benefit yeah from that i don't know that's just a theory that i kind of thought was interesting Um, Well, and I think, sorry to interrupt, and maybe this is better, more so a conversation that should be suited for the next episode. But yeah, that idea that it's like feeds off of that negative energy, like people have said that they've seen Mothman like in wars or Mm -hmm. like before a disease outbreak or something like that. Just like chaotic, neutral being. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not making it happen, but definitely benefiting from the energy from it somehow, you know, not making it happen, not preventing it from happening. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So after this happened, obviously the town was rocked and people like immediately the focus shifted to the families that needed help and the tragedy that had happened. And Mothman just simply went away. No more reports. It was like almost immediate. No more reports. No more sightings, at least, that were reported or talked about or anything. And I mean, and some of it might have been that the town was kind of like, we have serious things to think about now and we can't deal with this frivolous shit. And the idea that maybe it was connected, I think, really freaked people out. So I don't know. But either way, Mothman disappeared for quite a while until, I mean... Random sightings here and there, maybe, but it was in uh, 2011 in Chicago, Illinois. There were three encounters that were reported of seeing a bird-like birdman creature, and then nothing happened until 2017. There were several sightings, and I have their encounters. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the first sighting. This is um, 2017, February, Heather. A couple years ago, 2016-ish, August before school started, my mom's a nurse. She works nights, so 10.30 is when she leaves the house. And I always walk her out to her car. So I walk her out, she pulls off, and I'm just walking up the walkway to our house, and I hear out of nowhere, very loud, very weird sound. Sounded like a vel- like a velociraptor from Jurassic Park, like screeching, very bird-like. So I immediately lift my head to where this noise was coming from, this big tree in our yard, and I instantly see, in the middle of the blackness, two very large red eyes, very widely spaced. And as soon as I made eye contact with, as soon as I made eye contact, it made the sound again. I instantly ran to the door, go inside, and was like, "That was what was that? Oh my gosh." <laughs> So that was an email that was received um, by the Phantoms and Monsters newsletter or organization. 
in 2017. So then from February to October 2017, there were multiple sightings that were reported. One person saw another person turn into a large black bird on I-294. A family returning home from Massachusetts saw a red-eyed goblin that had wings and looked evil. In others, there was uh, sightings in other states, too. Lake Michigan became an area where there were a lot of sightings of a bird-like man, like birdman creature. There was a woman who was talking on her phone in the car in the driveway and saw a figure. She turned on the lights and she said it looked like, what the fuck did I write? Annoyed bat dragon? <laughs> I don't have any idea. <laughs> So, humanoid yeah. bat dragon? Humanoid, that's probably what it is. Saw a humanoid. <laughs> yes, thank you. Saw a humanoid bat dragon. So, um, and then I have a couple of other accounts here. Oh, wait, no. The one that I gave you was not. I don't know who the one I gave you was because <laughs> this is the email that was received by Heather. My husband, John, who's a huge skeptic, as we all know, and doesn't believe in stuff like this, was just driving home in the dark, and he saw what he thought was a person running on two legs across the highway, and then it turned into a giant black bird and flew up away. He swears it was running on two legs. So I think this is the last one that I have. I'll, I'll read this one. This is another account from 2017. So this was April 17th, 2017. It was about six in the morning. It was dawn just breaking where you can see things, you know, but still dark enough. And I took my garbage out, laid it at the street and looked up and saw this thing. I think it would have been may maybe seven, eight feet tall, but it was hunched over and it looked like it was black. I didn't see eyes, but it looked very dark. But I could tell, you know, like from the light coming up, like the leathery look. And it, I looked at it and I just froze for a moment. And the thing started going, Ooh. <laughs> and I didn't see this appear. It was just kind of there, you know, like I was walking to take the garbage out. I didn't see that. So it was just kind of there again in the same spot. And it was going, Ugh. these really creepy noises. And it was loud. And I looked, I remember freezing. And then I was trying to get my keys and I was looking at it and it seemed to be coming at me like, like you would see in a strobe light. And I just remember thinking, cause we had problems getting the front door with the open with the key, please let this key go in. And I'm looking at this thing and it got about halfway between where it was and me. And I got the key in the door, shut the door. I called my neighbor upstairs right away. Look outside, look outside. But he didn't see anything. Aye. So, and that's the last eyewitness account that I have. And so that's just nothing tragic has happened in Chicago. But I think at this point, there's still sightings of Mothman happening in Chicago, kind of similarly to Point Pleasant where it seems to be a focal point for whatever reason right now. And Lake Michigan, the Lake Michigan area. So, Are there any bridges that go over Lake Michigan? <laughs> no, but there's Should water. Should we be worried? <laughs> yeah, really. So I think that that is a good place to, I guess, end the yeah. story for now. And we'll come back to it in our next episode. Yeah, yeah. Want to move on to things? That things that don't suck. Things that don't suck. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Who wants to go first? <laughs> I could go first. All right. Um, my thing that doesn't suck is that Kyle and I found a new apartment. Yeah. And we move in in like Fuck a Bethany. week. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm really excited to be out and done with the bullshit. And hopefully this next place doesn't give us too much bullshit. So we'll see. But yeah, I hope so. I hope this next place okay. works out for you. Me too. <laughs> I think it'll, I mean, it'll be better than what we're dealing with now. So, yeah, it'd be hard to be worse yeah. and it'll be nice for you. You're going to have more time to yourself and at your apartment oh, yeah. so that you'll get into a routine. I My think that's going to be, be nice. Thankful. Yeah. You'll actually be able to enjoy like going out and sitting on the patio. I just have to. Um, figure out how to keep the cats inside of the patio. You need to get a tent. I do. <laughs> you saw that one where it was actually right like a big tent. Ground floor? Yeah. Oh. So, well, but that's a good thing. We're talking yeah. about things that don't suck. Yeah. New apartment. All New right. apartment. Who wants to go next? Do you want to go, Hannah? Mm, you go. 
Well, my thing that doesn't suck is that I've just been playing The Sims and I created a town and it's pretty cool and I like it. I don't know. <laughs> Yay, I'm sense. pretty simple, simple-minded. <laughs> Has Geralt of Rivia and Yennefer of Venneberg. It's got Cersei and Jamie Lannister and it's got a whole backstory. So serial killer werewolf. It's just been a lot of fun. <laughs> so that's my thing that doesn't suck. On to Hannah. My thing that doesn't suck is that I only have two jobs instead of three now. <laughs> but that's it good. also kind of is a thing that does suck because I like that other job and I'm sad. Yeah, that was sad that you had to quit that job. Was it just too far away? Yeah, it was too far away and I'm too busy with school. I think that does suck is that school started. <laughs> this is things that doesn't suck. Things that don't Too bad. suck. Things that doesn't suck. <laughs> How about we're only recording one episode today, so you that's can true. Go that home. is a thing that doesn't suck. I, Yay! My thing that doesn't suck is that I can go home and sleep after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hooray! <laughs> we're pretty much about the same time as if we would have recorded two, but it's okay. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> All right. Well. Those are our things that don't suck, and I guess that means it's time to sign off. Well, thanks for listening, my little shemmies. If you wanted to get in touch with us, you can send us an email at ffsthepodcast at gmail.com, and you can find us on the social medias at ffsthepodcast. We're on Facebook at Storytime E-F-F-E-D. Yeah, reach um, out to us, rate yeah. us. Yeah, rate us on Apple Podcasts because that helps the algorithm. <laughs> helps the us mysterious get out there. algorithm that tells other people that we're worth listening to. Yeah, we want to share with the world. Yeah. Get us out there. All right. Well, we love you guys. Thanks yeah, for tuning we love in. You. Yay. We are out. Goodbye. We're going to go find the Mothman. Goodbye.